I'm back. Welcome to Chapter 7 of The Adventures of Brian Hovis. You know the costs of this podcast are really mounting. I'm quite serious when I say if you've paid for a coffee today, or perhaps a piece of fruit, or perhaps a prostitute, whatever you choose to float your boat, and you feel happiness from this story, I ask you to please donate some money to this series at lowfatradio.com. Please! Just give me the same as the price of your coffee, fruit, or rent boy, or prosy woman. Thank you, in advance. In the meantime, I've been given a scratch card by a shoplifter in exchange for my silence. Here we go. Yes. That's a ring. Necklace, a ring. Here we go. Could you imagine if we win now on air? On podcast land. A thousand. Eight chances to win. Here we go. Seventy thousand. One hundred. That's four pounds. Two hundred. No, not a fucking thing. So, if you can donate, please do. Lofatradio.com. Back to the story. Exterior. Camel. Desert. Day. I awake. Oh, afternoon, Tim. I see you're still trotting along. Where are we? Hmm. It seems like we're trotting quietly past the edge of some kind of settlement. It has an unwelcome air. But a welcome sight up ahead. A water trough. Now, Tim, we're heading straight for a trough of lovely water. And we must make sure we can drink from it, so... Rather than tip it over, I wonder, Tim, whilst your penchant for travelling in a remarkable straight line, literally all day is impressive, perhaps just this once, you could possibly slow down or or please just banana to the right o- Oh, Tim! Guy looks so fresh! Oh, it seems, Tim, that the knock-on effect of your collision with the irrigation system are that there are pipes collapsing throughout the settlement, and I think I hear... Yes, yes, shouting has begun in the distance. Let's vary the pace a little by moving a little quicker, Tim. Come on, let rip, Tim! Come on, people are starting to gather their own camels and weapons. Oh, for goodness sake, Tim, run! Oh, this is positively running for you, Tim. A little faster, perhaps? No... Somehow, over the next hour or so, Tim managed to gain some distance between us and our pursuers. Taken by itself, you would think this would be great news. However, taken as a whole, as days out go, this was one of the worst ever. Fourteen hours on a runaway camel with danglies that feel as if they've been flattened by a waffle iron. On the other hand, the anaphylactic shock from the wasps, the gnawing sensation of hunger, accented by the very tangible dysentery, all begin to outshine any pain in the balls. So, every cloud, and of course, you may have already thought it, but rest assured, I had long since regretted the decision to portray Aunt Hester and go alone. How I needed her now. How I needed anyone who wasn't intent on killing me. What I would give my kingdom on this camel to see a friendly face. It was then I felt a tap on my shoulder, and I turned to see Eustace, sitting behind me in a sun hat. Eustace! Eustace! Lovely Eustace! Eustace reached round me and placed his hand over Tim's eyes. Tim stopped. I breathed. Eustace, I can't thank you enough. 
all was silent. Apart from the buzz of a stubborn wasp refusing to exit my nostril, and the chirping of several locusts in my beard, and the rumble of around 100 angry people on horseback sweeping over the nearby dune towards me, and the repeated crack of AK-47 rifles aimed at my head. Stop the camel, Yusuf! Stop the camel! Hello, boys, nasty-looking camel. Aunt Hester! You have all the fun, Brian. Do you have any water? Quickly get in. I'll go back for you. Things you must know. Brian, climb in. That's right. May have annoyed those chaps. Eustace, help him down. Second, I... Off the camel first. Think I may have been duped. Yes, I know her. Do you have any water? Are those locusts? They're not being seen around here for centuries. One question irks me. Are you really wanted in 196 countries? Hitting the gas, Brian. Do you have any water? A violent journey over hard terrain seemed not to bother Eustace in the slightest, who almost seemed to glide above the car. I sustained a number of knocks and bumps. I will tell you about them in detail, but for the third time in two days, I entered unconsciousness. I entered unconsciousness. Whilst in my unconscious state, I saw many things. A woman looking like my mother, wearing a cowboy hat and holding a sword, pointing it at me and telling me I was useless. Then her head turned into butterflies and exploded with beauty. One of the butterflies came and sat at the end of my nose, and I noticed his body was a camel, and the camel's face was Alf the gardener. Come home, Brian. Just come home. It's not worth it. I got a plate of rice pudding and Doctor Who waiting for you. Come on, Brian. In his hand was rice pudding in the shape of Periwinkle's face. I want your bushes, Brian, and Periwinkle get what he wankled. Get what he wankled. And then I was walking in darkness, in the sand with Hester's voice nearby. Oh. Oh. I was awake I again. I was awake again. This was actually, this was happening. actually happening. Oh, hello, Brian. You've come too. I fear I may be experiencing temporary blindness, Aunt Hester. I haven't experienced that since Paris, 74. What a night. What are we doing? We are climbing a sand dune and it is very exciting. Where are we? If the chief was right, we're going to reach the top of this dune and we will see the final resting place of Al-Hazul and his Tower of Song. What a shame you can't see the sunset. Oh, sweet Jesus, it's momentous. Oh, shit. Sounded like you said shit there, aunt. I did. In a good way? No. So this is not the ruins of the tower? Yes, it is. But, well, seems the tower was not made of many kinds of stone. What was it made of? It was made of pebbles. How many? Oh, a hundred or so thousand, perhaps. What? If the legend is true that one of them is a magical pebble, then... It would be like finding a... Needle in a haystack. More like hay in a haystack. Oh! I fell to my knees and wept. I'm not cut out for this. I couldn't even stop a camel. And this for whom? Mother! She loved me once. I doubt it. She was me long before you were born. Long moments passed, and I cried while I felt the sun slipping another degree towards the horizon. And I had no words left. Apart from these, this whole thing is pointless. I am pointless. You, a great adventurer, saddled with a blind, balding, hopeless titfart. You are wrong. 
Thank you. I still have some hair, I know. No, no, no. You're entirely bald. I just mean your description of me. What do you mean? Well, I'm no great adventurer. But you adventured for 20 years. Well, I did a bit. Blurry memory. But all those people at Carnegie Hall. People will watch anything in New York. Les Mis is still on for back Okay, I wrote a couple of books, but mostly made up. So, you are... Oh, God. You were trying to help me. But you seem to have made it so much worse. God, my faith is gone. Oh, crap. Um, well, yes, I made that up. I am a great adventurer. I just can't remember much of it. Oh, just leave me alone, Hester. I wish you could say something to... Leave me here alone to die like a prude. Oh, you're being dramatic. Am I? Ah, then at least I'm good at something. I shall dramatically die now. Unless you can tell me some kind of story to make me feel marginally better. Huh? Got anything? Eh? Huh? I know a story just came to me. And it's truer than this whole podcast. Truer than you, Brian. An actual true story from the writers of you. Auntie was saying something in a language I didn't understand. Then she told a story. When I was a child, there was a pond in our garden. Every evening, three rats would visit. Two of the rats would take the ends of a stick into their mouths, and the third rat would bite onto the stick between them. And they would walk down to the water together where they would drink. I asked my father what they were doing, and he let me work it out on my own. The middle rat was blind, and the others were guiding it to the water. An especially moving story when you know it's actually true. Am I the blind rat? I think we all need each other a little more than we expected. Are you saying you need me, Aunt? Well, I'm saying maybe... You're saying you... Maybe we... You'd love me. Well, um, no, I'm... Well, I'm saying... I love you too. I had never wanted to embrace a family member more. A beautiful, beautiful moment. I stepped toward her, arms agape, full as an egg with love. I did not see the half-buried skeleton in the sand between us, into whose ribcage my eager left foot was plunged. With my ankle inextricably immobile, my weight still moving forward, I realized the danger and expertly twisted my torso, scissor-kicking the air, saving my ankle, but resulting in the snapping of my shin. Whoa, did you see that, Brian? Oh my fucking God! There was a light, like a red glow that expanded around us. My shin! And it began so small, over there in a sea of pebbles. My shin has gone. Brian, when you tripped up, you must have sung a top F sharp. My shin has gone and snapped. The legend is true, the pebble glows. My shin bone. Do it again, Brian, listen to me, make that noise again. I need a hospital, I think. No, make the noise, Brian, the note. Gah! No, that's not it. Ah, it has snapped. Oh, God, the pain. I'll poke you in the shin to hell. Ah! No, higher. Ah! Think about how it felt when it snapped. Ah! Higher. Ah! No, higher. I think I'm going to pass out. I did not pass out, but I did vomit, which as well as bringing back my breakfast also brought back my eyesight. A small win in an otherwise dire situation. Meanwhile, Eustace, who had been standing atop his own little sand dune, suddenly did something incredible. The, the top, top F sharp. The pebble. Oh, he's so useful. I can see it. The glow. Oh, Eustace, keep going. We shall run down and get it. Keep going. Oh, my shit! Gah! Ah, oh, Jesus, I shouldn't have tried to run. I forgot. Ah! I'll get it. You slide on your ass back to the car. Oh, my God. 
And so as I slid back to the jeep down an African sand dune on my ass, I thought about what I had learned today. About life and friendship, trust and other things like rodents' compassion for each other. It was almost like I was forming some kind of conclusion to this chapter of my life in a beautiful, if overly simplistic and sentimental way. Sliding down, sliding down a sand dune On my arse, thinking about life Out here, out here in Africa Learning, learning about life It all started with my mother left home then I find my auntie who gave me lots of hope somewhere over in America I found family at Carnegie Hall she made me get on a steamboat and sail here sail here from New York at the very first hurdle I was hoodwinked Antiquities Auction. Tonight, we celebrate! I woke up with a heavy weight on my thighs. Good morning, Brian. It was my Aunt Hester, who had Eustace sitting on her lap. Eustace once again flying the plane. That gemstone of yours comes in handy, doesn't it? Actually, yes. I must fill you in on that. Oh, this is a hangover. You were quite the pole dancer. Have I missed anything? We auctioned the pebble for 31 million pounds. Great! No, sorry. Lord of mercy! Sudanese. I meant 31 million Sudanese pounds. Which is 4,000 British pounds. Oh, well, well, great start, actually. Minus the bar bill, 12 pots of Pringles, the cost of fixing the plane and your shin, and the cost of the deposit for Tim the camel. Leaving? About 32 pounds. Oh, well... Oh, and Alf left a message at the hotel to say Periwinkle pronounced you dead on TV. Did you correct him? You can telegram from Kathmandu. India. Nepal. Nepal! That's where our next artifact should be. Our next... Well, we can't stop now, can we? Oh, auntie. We're adventuring further. Oh, I feel so welcomed into your bosom. I feel... Part of the team, I feel! Well, seeing as you fucked this one up so badly, we better give it another shot, okay? Nepal! Indeed. A few days trek up the Himalayas and we begin our search for... The Priest of Pisgah's Last Yeti Whistle. 
I think he's coming out of his trance, Auntie. You're a pilot. You're a well-trained pilot. An excellent pilot. What an excellent The next pilot. adventure of Brian Hovis will be the priest of Pisca's last Yeti whistle. But he can only afford to go if you give him some money. If you don't like giving up money willy-nilly, <laughs> willy, why not get something as a treat in exchange? My hugely embarrassing outtakes slash bloopers from recording this podcast, oh my giddy good God, are available for a tiny amount of money. Or why not check out my ever-growing adventure guides? For example, Brian's top 10 plants to be avoided at all costs. Or Brian's top 10 tips for getting by in German without any language lessons. Just visit lowfatradio.com. Mm-hmm.